When starting any new career, the first bit is always the hardest, looking up and seeing the people you want to be whilst you're assisting at the bottom. Well, we at Guru Live have assembled a panel, a panel that have been there and done that. They'll share what they've learnt, the challenges they've faced, and offer advice on navigating your first three years in the business, what your plan should look like, how to manage yourself as a freelancer, and what you need to know about industry roles, skill gaps, and opportunities. Your host for this session is Campbell Glennie. The first thing I wanted to start with, really, was um, just thinking about before people even start their journey into the industry, is there such a thing as a type of person or kind of a temperament that's kind of suited to even working in the industry to start with, or is that a bit of a myth? And start with you, Michelle. I think it takes many different people to make a production and to be part of a production team. So I don't think there's any one type, but what I do say, there's certain qualities that you should have. You should be passionate, enthusiastic, and willing to work hard. And I think those are sorts of fundamental things that you need to be good and part of a team. I think personalities, um, I like to have different sorts of personalities from very quiet ones, the very loud and noisy, depending on what you're doing, but everyone has that same ambition and same purpose for the production. So I don't think there's any one particular type, but I do think there's certain qualities that you all need to have. Asma, when you sort of started out, did you sort of think like, yeah, sort of TV's for me, or did you think that maybe... It's interesting because you always think it's kind of the loud personalities mm. when necessarily it's not. So I would say with me, myself, there's parts of me I'm quite quiet and the other sides I'm quite outgoing in different situations. So I don't think it's just about one type of personal personality. I think it comes down to attributes and qualities. So, you know, good work ethic, someone that's got lots of ideas, especially someone who loves telly and watches lots of it as well. I just think you have to be really determined. That's, that's, I think that's the key personality above all that takes you far in television. I think start for us, for me, I've been in TV now, I'd say, what, a year and a half, since Venus, really, since Venus versus Mars. Before that, TV wasn't in my plans. But we, since then, we've been trying to do so many things as a production company. And um, the only thing that our only guiding, our main guiding principle has been, like, you know, being determined and being used to people saying no to you or maybe and that maybe, maybe eventually turn into a no and then turn into a yes and just just being really determined and being ready for to be in it for the long haul. Like things don't happen overnight and television takes time. So sort of thinking about that and thinking about the title of this session, which is my first three years in television, is sort of three years a good time in your career to kind of perhaps look and kind of take stock is that kind of a good sort of first like base camp progression point to look at where you are yeah i think it's it's so much more competitive now i mean it was, it, television's always been competitive but it's much more so now for you at the level that you may be at whether you're a runner researcher ap junior producer you'll find it quite hard to make that move from one level to another and i think when i enter, entered the industry it was a job for life. It wasn't looking, I wasn't looking at six months or six weeks or two months. I was literally working for the BBC and I was working in production. So I went straight in um, as a producer. Um, and because I'd had experience, I knew what I was doing. And, and I think 
I think you have to think about your career in a sense of three years, maybe even two. I mean, maybe three years might be too long in one particular area. I think you've just got to make sure you move around as much as possible so that you're working in lots of different genres. So you find out for yourselves what really appeals to you. Um, you might start off in factual and end up wanting to do shiny floor. You might end up in start up in drama and think, actually, I really want to make documentaries. So you shouldn't sort of limit yourself. But at the same time, you should have a vision and, and sort of where you want to go. And it will change. And, be, and don't be afraid of that change. But I just think you're in a much more, I would say, precarious situation. But, you know, someone offers you another six-month contract being a researcher on Come Dine With Me. And you really want to be an AP on a documentary, but if you do that, you probably will only get four weeks. And, you know, you've got to sort of weigh that up. Whereas I think when I started, a lot of people who are my age started, um, it wasn't that sort of a problem. So I think it's easy for me to sit here and go, yeah, two years, three years, five years. I think it's, you have to just be really opportunistic and seize, seize the moment and, you know, take a risk because you are taking risks anyway. You're all in this industry, which is incredibly risky. So you are taking risks. So just be bold and go for it. If you're really passionate about something, as Femi said, really passionate and driven, go for it. Um, I wouldn't give yourself a limit, but I think three years in one, at one level is probably the maximum amount of time you should be there, really. Um, so I've sort of accidentally skipped ahead a little bit there. So it's probably good to go back and sort of think about sort of just breaking in, sort of like the first sort of stage. And Fatima, can you sort of yeah. remember like that, those, those first kind of jobs and sending out those first sort of feelings into the industry? Yes. What was that like? So um, I think it was really enjoyable, actually. So I was taken on at Fresh One initially as a researcher for about a year and a half. And I just got, I just mucked in, really, got my hands dirty, went on production, went in development. So I had six months in development, six months on different productions. I mean, I was playing around with cameras in my own time. I was kind of looking into edits. So one really useful thing is actually, if you can, to try to get into an edit to see how uh, stories are cut and put together. So I got that experience really early on. Um, And then from there, I kind of realised, actually, I want to be in development. I do like production, but probably development is where... I see my future, but if I didn't have that kind of experience, then I wouldn't have got there. So it's just about moving about and uh, deciding from that experience where you would like to be eventually, I'd say. That's a great sort of first experience working mm. somewhere like that. So how, how did you make it happen? So I initially, so I graduated in journalism um, and then I went on to work in newsrooms for about a year. Um, and that was such a good training ground, actually, when I look back now, because, you know, the budgets were nothing, they were zero, so I had to do everything. So I had to write, I had to report, I had to present, I had to shoot, I had to edit, I had to do basically everything. All for like a five o'clock deadline, otherwise if I don't do it, the news doesn't go out. So um, I learnt my core skills there, really, I think. And then from there I realised, actually, I want to kind of play around and look into docs a bit more. So I reached out to the head of talent at Fresh One and we sat down for a meeting. And I came quite well prepared. I came with loads of ideas, which uh, I think probably went in my favour and from there they just they took me on yeah yeah and actually just what Fatima talks about they're kind of connecting with sort of talent executives you must see thousands of CVs every year and that's probably a conservative estimate what stands out what do you look for how can people give themselves the edge no photographs no CVs <laughs> take them off take them off because we, we laugh at them, so don't put them on. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I think um, 
Some of the things that are really important now is that you need to almost do everything. So if you shoot, you shot for broadcast, say it, even if it's a couple of minutes, say it. If, you've, if you can edit or you've been in the edit, say it. Um, if, you can, you know, if you've done development, just put everything down. You don't have to worry so much in your early part of your career to make sure it looks like you've got a full CV, because you won't have. But I think if your CV is less than a page, then that means you haven't written enough, so you need to absolutely fill out exactly what you've been doing on each, each programme that you've worked on. Um, if it goes over two pages, you're writing too much, so cut it down. Um, so I like back-to-front CVs. I mean, you know, one in each side, saving the environment, you know, rainforest and stuff. Um, I like um, clear what you are. You know, don't tell me you're an AP and you're not an AP. Because what happens is we go AP, AP, AP. Then you go through it and you go... And that's gone. And what, you could have been the best person, but if you're saying you're an AP and I'm looking for an AP and you're actually a researcher, you're not going to get a gig, you're not even going to get a look in. So say what you are. If you want to say you're a research AP, put researcher slash AP so I know that if my budget is really... I can kind of go, ah, you know what? This person's really good. They're top of their game as a researcher. They're on the boundaries of being an AP. And you've got that on there. So it shows your aspiration, but it also shows that you're being quite honest about what you are. So just be aware of being very honest because we will find out. Don't tell me you're earning £800 a week at Fresh One because I will ring up Fresh One and go, did you really pay them £800 a week? And they go, come on, Michelle. So, you know, we will know. So I think it's just... Go for it when you're going to have a barter about how much you should be getting. Yeah, always push it a little bit, but, but be aware that you might be pricing yourself out. So don't put your salary on or what, you, what your demands are, because some people do put their demands on there. When you're writing your email to me and I don't get back to you in, the, in two days, do not then write a really rude email to me and say, you haven't even answered my email. I had that last week. And I looked at it and I thought, <laughs> and that's the end of that. So it could have been a very promising career. And actually, I didn't delete him. I actually did get back to him and just said, look, this is the way to do things, and that's not the way. Um, but I think it's just a case of your CV has to be clear. It has to say what you are. It has to say what you can do. Um, don't, don't hide your bushel. So really sort of big yourself up. I find boys big themselves up more than girls. So girls, you're going to have to step up to the plates. I think that I think sometimes there's this thing of for girls says, do you know what I've had I've shot on that a few times, but I wouldn't say I'm this. A boy just has to pick it up and go, yeah, and I can shoot on this, 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 and I'm like, and and you know, and sometimes they get the gig. So I think it's about being honest, but also you know, just just fleshing it out a little bit. That's my advice for sort of newish newbies. Seems like a good chance to go to Femi, who laughed at that, who sounds like someone who might occasionally (laughs) have won here and there. But but in terms of breaking in, for you, was there like a moment where you felt like, I'm in this, this is my business, this is what I do, you can remember that? I think think, um, for us, and for me, and for the company, Venus versus Mars was the point, was the turning point, because it was something that that was created online i wasn't even at that point involved um it was created online by babby who's in the audience and victor and they created it for youtube and i was brought in to help to migrate it from youtube to sky for sky living and at that point i felt wow i'm actually 
making that transition because before that I'd, everything I'd done was in film it was short films it was feature film I just I was I'd, I think I'd just shot my second feature film as, as a director producer writer and doing all these things meant I was prepared to do to help out with Venus versus Mars and and from that point onwards, we were, I was exposed to this new world. I was, you know, I, I met you and a bunch of other people that were just willing to help and really help us and me grow in, into TV and grow into that space. But then at the same time, the difficulty for me has been, because I think the production company, we, we realised we're taking time, it's slow, and like there are things that we're pitching that are not quite coming off and and so on and so forth, because there's, there are much more experienced people in the industry than us. But then at the same time, we go in and meet the bigger, the big boys, and they're sort of like, so you produce? I'm like, yeah. Um, and um, I, I think I had a meeting, and I was like, you know, I'd love to come with one... Well, I've had meetings with two of the biggest production companies in drama, and, um, and sort of they wanted to meet me and they wanted me to work on one of their projects. They didn't really know what they want, wanted me to do um, because I'd produced these feature films, right? And, you know, they've gone out in the cinemas, like one of my films is on Netflix and so on and so forth, but they were small films. That I'm talking 300k to half a million pound budgets and you're looking at dramas that are like a million an hour and they're like, well, but you're not really a producer though. And I'm like, well, I'm not making your tea because... I'm just not <laughs> like, like I'm just not I, I'd rather just I'd rather do my own thing I'd rather make other films than go into someone's office and make their tea so I sort of know what I want and what I don't want but then at the same time I also had to realise so I'm about to take on a role on, on a production one of these big drama productions that everyone hears about and like wow four million an episode and I'm about to take on a role on that but then I met these guys and they didn't really know what they wanted me to do and they just sort of spoke to me tried to figure out they knew they wanted me they know they want me to do something on the production but at the same time they can't make me a full-fledged producer because I've not managed that kind of production of that scale and shooting a little bit in the UK, a little bit in Canada or a little bit in Eastern Europe and all of that stuff. So um, I think for me, I understand that. So I'm going into that situation knowing that I'm not going to be the producer. And, and for them, they sort of now have to come back with, with something that takes into account that I don't want to make tea. <laughs> what? I think that's really important about kind of like talking about sort of self-worth and you talked a little bit about pushiness what's the right kind of amount and sort of that kind of attitude like Fatima like, what do you think kind of is like the right amount of kind of assertiveness to kind of move on I think you need to believe in yourself and if you know what you're capable of then you know don't take no for an answer I think working in, in development you've got to have bucket loads of tenacity because you're used to the no's you're used to commission, going to commissioners pitching ideas and then saying no, 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 and then finally you get a yes somewhere along the line. So, um, yeah, have faith in yourself. But I think if it, in terms of kind of, um, you know, looking for a job role, and I think that's what you're trying to talk about, essentially, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, definitely there's a fine line, um, you know, there's believing in yourself and then there's being too pushy, I think. Um, but if you come across in the right way, I think that shouldn't really happen if you come across as someone who's really hardworking and doesn't mind getting their hands dirty and working on different projects, then it's fine, I think. Because you can almost back it up, you know what I mean? You can, you can say, that's what I've done, this is my experience. But um, otherwise, if you don't have that, then it's kind of just 
it's a bit wishy-washy, I would say. Um, moving into kind of like career development and kind of what you sort of do once you're kind of in the industry, um, obviously there are lots of factors in there, but how important are things like events like today, festivals, schemes, all the kind of like pounds of industry opportunities? Are they meaningful? Can they, can they make a difference? I'll start with you, Michelle. Um, yes, of course they are. Of course they do. Um, I think the more that you get yourself seen and you get networking and you talk to different people, the important, more important it is. You know, um, you step in front of somebody, a commission, and you say, "Hi, my name's so and so, and I'm working. I really love your stuff and your channel." Right, rah. You might see them at another event and say, "Oh, I saw you at such and such." And if that commissioner can't remember you, they'll go. Oh, yeah, hi. And they'll talk to you and, you know, and then you start. So that's important. I think for yourselves, you'll see what your peers are doing and who's working on what, and there might be an opening. And, you know, for example, we're doing Robert Peston on Sunday, which I'm going to the studios today, and Peston on Sunday requires, if any of you are out there, um, political APs, political researchers. Now, I will say to that team, I'm looking for some more political APs and researchers. They may well know somebody from someone else that they've met at some other event. And that's how, you know, and you all know this, it's not, it's not rocket science, but I think the thing is, is that it's about networking, it's about turning up, it's about being seen, it's about listening to what people say and really listening, taking it in, so that when you are in front of, you know, the development head, and you've, you can say, well, when I was in Edinburgh at such and such, so-and-so mentioned X, and I think, or I saw them for a drink afterwards, or we were at BAFTA, the BAFTA gurus, and we spoke to... You know, it just gives you a sense that you're, you've got a sense of place and you're really sort of glued into the industry, and I think that that's really important. I think in terms of... I think networking's definitely important, going to lots of different events, um, applying to schemes as well really early on is really good. Skill set's amazing. If you can try to get onto one of their training courses, it's really useful. I mean, and I think they usually fund some of it. There's bursaries as well. Um, really early on, I went on a camera training course, actually, um, like within my first, first year uh, as a researcher, and that was so useful because that meant after that I could just go off and shoot on, on production or go and go cut and kind of film a, a tape for development so but also in my own time I was kind of just playing around with cameras as well you know I'd take the camera home and I would just set it up and, and shoot different things and see how it would come out so any experience that you can get I would go for it you know not even at research level AP level even at producer level and beyond you should always be kind of learning and kind of enhancing your skills um I'm I'm, I'm. I'm the same. I feel you need to fully immerse yourself in the industry. You need, if you want to be, if you want to work in TV, and for me, I work in film as well. If you want to work in TV or film, you should. That's that's that should be what you do. Like you know, you should watch TV. You should make your own small things. You should, um, like I said, you know, Babby and Victor started out making Venus versus Mars. It was for online. It caught the attention of the people at Sky Drama, and they commissioned it for, as a TV programme. And that was off the back of them just getting up and actually doing stuff. And creative skill set is great. Um, I was on Ones to Watch last year. I think that really helped me in, in my progression in television, in that it's in, actually being in Edinburgh um, sort of exposed me to people within TV, because I was new to TV, so I, didn't, I wasn't really in in the know, I didn't know who was who. So it was nice to be at, you know, the special events that was curated for the ones to watch. Um, in that, you know, you got to see Jay Hunt speak and then 
you know, all in August and then a few weeks ago, she did a similar sort of speech for the RTS. And I was like, well, I saw this last year. I wants to watch. <laughs> sort of could tweet now. <laughs> like, you know, and because I'm, you know, and getting exposure to all these people that you wouldn't normally have access to only happens through schemes like the network and ones to watch and, and so on and so forth. And, but more importantly, network, going to events like this, making yourself known. We found, Victor and I, as a production company, everyone's like, yeah, we know the guys from Purple Gecko. Or, like, or they've met one of us before because you know, we, we make noise and we make sure that people know who we are and we always you know, try to be nice to everyone. I think being nice is important. I think that just being generally being nice, even if you don't, it's not in your nature. <laughs> <laughs> just learn to be nice, pretend to be nice. <laughs> it's a family all this time. I know you were a good actor. Right? Um, and thanks for doing, uh, saving me having to plug my own things. No, I think, I think, I I think it's great. I think it's great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we sort of talked about a little bit about networking. Networking can be really hard and I think that's actually something that's not necessarily kind of in people's natural kind of inclinations or their natural skill set. Um, I don't know how all of you in this room feel about networking but the three of you must have some some killer shortcuts and tips or things that can just make it that little bit easier when you're kind of you know starting out. I think it's easier now because you can google everyone you know the first time I had a meeting with somebody and they said, I googled you. I was like, whoa, what did you find out? Because I hadn't even googled myself. That was, you know, that was, that was years back. But, um, so you've got everything at your fingertips, so you can find out who the people are. You can find out as much about that person from reading about them before you approach them. So that you go in with a, oh, you know, you're doing such and such at the moment. I was, you know, if you, you need to start on that line, which you've probably done. I mean, imagine some of you have done. And, and it's hard. Sometimes you go to things and there's the, that loud person who's been working the room and they're very confident and everyone's talking about them and then you step in next into their shadow and that's hard to pick up. So take a breather. Let loud person go past. Don't... don't I'm giving tips. I'm giving tips. Um, don't, you know, let loud person go past. Give, give that person a breather and then go in and say, oh, hi. Um, with your, your line. So sometimes it's about just work in the room, watching the room, seeing how it all works. It sounds like I do this. I don't really do it all the time, but I think as, as I've gone on in my career and, and I've been at lots and lots and lots of networking events, and I still think they're really important, I think it's just about you just need to target who you need to talk to and go and talk to them. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, have a nice coloured card or something, or just something that they remember you by. But, you know, talk, make them laugh, make, him, make me laugh. And I'll go, oh, yeah, that person. Yeah, I remember that person. Because it just sometimes just takes that, because you come to these events and everyone's bombarding you. And you're a bit like, okay, um, how do I get out? How, what time was I supposed to be here? I'm going to go through that door. And then you get, you get mobbed. And I think if you get mobbed in a nice way, you're quite happy to sort of give a little bit. So I think two ways from my perspective and from your perspective and I'm not running out today I'm waiting to be mobs <laughs> please please mob me no. <laughs> um, but I just think it's important to network and I think that you need to um, don't be afraid of it um, put your game face on as Naomi says you know and go for it but don't don't be afraid you know I used to hate networking I probably still still one part of me hates it a little bit I think because you know it's, it's quite unnatural I think to go into a room or environment like that so you've just got to put a complete front on I think and, and just go for it there's 
no way around it. You know, you've just got to, I think, pace yourself out. You know, as Michelle was saying, there's people working their way around the room. Just wait until it's a good point and then go in and speak to them. But also, I think, yeah, research the people who are going to be in the room. Work out what they made, what, you know, if there's any commissioners there, what they're looking for. You know, so these things, you can kind of start asking them questions about that. Because, you know, if you automatically walk in and you're like, you know, I watched your documentary last week on da 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 they'll be quite impressed because, you know, you've watched it, you've taken interest. So it, it will set you apart, I think. Yeah. You'd be amazed, actually, we hear lots of stories of people going in for interviews. So even getting to, like, a stage, it's quite hard to get in the room with these people. And then they ask them, like, so what do you like of what we make? And they've got nothing. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Like, yeah. you're kind of, you're done, really. And it's such an... Particularly now, it's like, it's kind of... There's no excuse for not doing it. Like, know where you are, make them feel special and hopefully it will be a place that you really really want to work at but I think that's that's, that's really important and um, going back a little bit something sort of hinted at earlier uh, which I was looking at um, uh, sort of like changing lanes or changing genres or sort of changing specialities um, and also you sort of talked a little bit about it's good to get as much kind of broad experience as, as possible um, how how much do people get pigeonholed and what do you think when you sort of get something where someone seems to be screaming a genre, but, you know, they might be coming in to do, like, a political, sort of rapey thing? I think what I have a lot of respect for is when people come to see me, and so take, I'm going to use somebody who's working on Comdine at the moment. Comdine is the most amazing machine. It's, uh, if anyone here has worked on it, it is the most amazing machine to work on. It's huge, and it gets bigger, and it doesn't stop, and it's quite well-oiled, and you're... You know, you're slightly protected because you're working in a team that's quite established. So it's a really great place to work. Um, but some people get get caught in it because it's it's just seamless. They stay on it for a long time. So they come and see me and they say, I love this. So always start with, I love the programme I'm working on. It's fantastic. Bloody, bloody, blah. Sing its, sing its praises. Do not say, I hate it and I want to come off it. Because I'll be like, okay it's easy because there's so many other people who want to take that take that place so you know you love it but and that's fine to have a but I really want to do I've had one girl say I really want to do drama how do I do drama I really I've got all I said what do you have what ideas do you have I've got these scripts I've, have you written stuff yes I have can I see some of the stuff that you've written if I think that stuff's good then I'll contact my mate in the drama department and say look have a look at these scripts or there's a scheme running for Emma Dell and Corrie I think you should apply or do you know what I mean so there are ways it doesn't always mean that they're definitely going to get the gig but it just means that if I hear with all my contacts in the industry that someone's looking for someone who's got a bit of factual and a bit of drama but it's a drama production that's got some I will say yeah take that girl she is fantastic and I'll sing her praises because I know that she does really well in the programme that she's working on and I'm sure that she'll do really well and sometimes that's what you need you need a you need a not only a mentor but you need someone in your in your corner so you need to find someone who's going to push you forward um so changing lanes isn't easy um but it's not impossible and people do it all the time so why shouldn't you i think if if that's where you want to go because you need time to establish what you don't want to do i think you've both sort of said things that you don't want to do but when you find something that you do want to do and you're like, oh my God, that's it. Then go for it. Just don't stop. You just have to be wily and know who to contact. Look in the, the company you're working with or the broadcaster you're working with and think, okay, that's the person I need to go and see. But, but as I think Glenn said, you, you really need to 
research. Do not turn up saying, I really want to do this, and then you've got a rubbish script or you've got, you've not, you don't quite know what that channel wants or you don't quite know what that commissioner likes. So if you're all, all that serious producer, because sometimes they're the main gatekeepers, that serious producer wants, so you've really got to do your research, be really passionate about where you want to go and go for it. As in, you've got nothing to lose. You've got nothing to lose. Just don't rubbish the production that you're currently on or the genre. That's a big, big... No, no. Did you learn anything specific from sort of moving from news to sort of factual? I mean, that's not the biggest leap in the world, but it's still, I think, in the industry, you can, you can mm. be pigeonholed. I mean, yeah. Initially, it was hard because lots of people wanted me just to work on current affairs kind of docs. And I was just like, actually, I want to make fun stuff as well. <laughs> I don't want to make the boring, serious stuff. Um, and that kind of way... You didn't say that, though, did you? No, but I said it in kind of a funny kind of way, and they laughed about it, do you know what I mean? So they're like, you know, I can make current affairs stuff, but then also I've got great ideas about, you know, some fun one-off documentaries. So then I gave them some ideas, and they're like, okay, we can see how that works. So I could back it up, essentially, that's what it was. So um, if you want to move into another genre, then have ideas for that genre as well. Um, yeah, you know, just talking about, there's one thing that I always believe, that's like, if you can rant about telly to me, that means, for me, that you love TV. So, you know, often when I'm trying to get a researcher in or AP in, you know, if I ask them, what's your favourite TV programme? And they're like, oh, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, you need to have an answer. If someone comes in and like, oh, do you know, I watched that one off on Channel 4 last week, and they're ranting about it, and they love it, I'm like, that's it, like, I'm going to work with you, because you've got a love, you've got a passion there, and I want that to come across. For us as a production company, we were scripted, scripted, scripted. And, you know, everything that we've done has been scripted. And so we had this documentary idea and then we didn't know who to take it to initially <laughs> because we don't know any commissioners in, in, um, in Factual. And, but we ended up taking it to a commissioner and she was sort of like, but you guys only make scripted, but we'll get you to make a taster. And um, try not to script it too much. <laughs> try not to plan out exactly what's going to happen too much. And then if, if, that, if you do that well, or we'll, we'll, we'll think about giving you the commission. And um, outside of that, she was like, oh, maybe you want to bring in, you know, you want to team up with another production company. And again, I'm quite assertive. I'm quite, I know what I want. I know with this particular project, I, the access is that was mine and... You know, I know I knew we could deliver the project because we've delivered. I mean, documentary teams are very small teams. Like you know, delivered much bigger projects and um, with more personnel. And so I was just you just have to be really assertive about what you want to do. But you always have to, like everyone has said, you always have to back it up. You can't say I want to do this and you just don't have any reason for wanting to do it. Like a lot of people at the moment are saying, oh, they want to do drama because just because there's money in drama really, that's why most people are saying it, not because they're really necessarily all the time passionate about drama or not because, uh, and also I, I just feel you should know what you want outside of, of um, trends because trends change, things move on, like you know, drama's cool now if like, you know, all the 20 gazillion million pounds that all the broadcasters are spending on drama, if all those dramas don't get watched by people and they decide to start doing something else, but you've just staked out that your career has to be in drama because of that trend, then, you know, you, you fall by the wayside. So you should know what you want as opposed to 
just following trends. It's good to have commercial awareness. It's good to know what's going on. But at the same time, you should have your, your passions and your dreams and, and work on that as opposed to like, you know, just following trends. We've talked about it a little bit. Fassman made a really good point around kind of getting those social shooting skills um, sort of under your belt. And sometimes those are things that your employer might not be able to provide for you. What are, um, I'll stop Femi, what are kind of some of the sort of, you know, arrows in your arrow holder, my vocabulary's gone completely, archery, uh, quivers in your bow, I don't know. What, what are the things that think, you know, that really kind of round you out and make you feel like you're someone who can kind of take on the next challenge? I think for me, I, I, I understand every aspect, every element of, of production to a certain point, especially in scripted. So I started out as an actor, I've got a law degree, I, I can write, I can direct, I produce, I can edit, I could film stuff. But out of all these skills, I know which ones I'm really, really good at, but I know how to do everything. So that over there, I was in the office, and we, needed to, we, we had someone cutting a trailer, and they were trying to argue with me about editing. And I was like, no, but I can do it myself. Like, I can come there right now <laughs> and do exactly what I told you. Like, you know, so don't tell me that you can't do that, because... I know you can, because I can, do, like, actually bring the edit to my office, and then I can do it right now. And so you sort of, I think you sort of, we, our generation were expected to do a lot more than, than you know, back in the day, you can get in and really specialise in one thing. Some people, all they've done is, like, produce their whole life. And all they've, all, other people, all they've done is direct, and some people have just worked in development forever. And, but I feel like with our generation, you're expected to do a little bit of everything, and I... Uh, especially for me, I've just had to learn a little bit of everything and, and really to get into the industry because I was sort of a self-starter. I didn't, well, I didn't start out at the BBC or I didn't. I just woke up one day, finished uni, realised that my agent was not going to call me every day for auditions and I decided I wanted to make short films. And then I wrote one and then I found funding for it and then I made it and then... And, and that's how everything started. And I sort of had to do lots of things because I didn't have the huge budget. So on the film, um, on, on the films that I've made, I've sort of written them, but I've always, I'm never doing stuff in isolation. So I've always had co-writers, co-directors. I've always produced with other people, but also I know a little bit of everything because I think now you, you, you're a bigger asset to productions and production companies if you can do more things. Like, I've got a kid in the office, he knows how to design, he knows how to do web design, he knows how to edit, he knows how to film stuff, he knows how to do so many things. And we just look at him like, we can never get rid of you. <laughs> like, we need you forever. Because even though I know how to do some of these things, I, I don't have time to do it, but I know you can, because you've got, you've got so many skills that me and my partner, Victor, don't have. Out of all the interns that we've got, he's the only one that I know wants... He's ready to go full time. I will give him a job because he just knows my, everything. My number. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's true because he knows everything. And I think, I think, make yourself indis- indispensable by learning as much as you can whilst you're still trying to get into to the industry. I think it's that's sort of true. And even though I'm decades past you guys, and um, I think even when I was producing, I was writing, I was directing, I was editing, all my stuff. 
um, until I had so many other projects that I was able to employ writers and then having to script edit what they were writing and think, this is nowhere near as good as what I was getting and they were getting paid loads of money. I think, in a sense, the more you can do, the more experience you can get, but the more skills you can get, as Fanny said, the better equipped you are, the better equipped you are to walk in anywhere and say, and, and you're right, they don't let you go. Because we've had people who came in as floor runners, they're still there because if I say oh, can you go and just go and shoot this for me? Can you go and help them on set? So-and-so needs you on location. I know that I can just trust that person to put down what they're doing, put the photocopying down and go off, and they can do it, you know? So I think it's really important that you have as many skills as possible. Pick up the camera, nick a camera, borrow a camera. No, maybe not nick it. Borrow a camera. Um, and, and, and I think, and you've alluded to this as well, and go off and shoot. Shoot the wedding, a party, your mates, and just put it together. Um, at Shiver, we have a short, uh, a short film festival that we do every year. Um, and anyone who's worked at Shiver, regardless of whether you're full-time working there or you're, you've just been there for two or three weeks, you can ask to be part of the festival. And you, put, you submit your idea and you get mentored by one of our execs or SPs and you make a film. And we have a proper, everyone dresses up and we have a big screening and then we have a, the shiver things to win. And, and it's great because when the execs who don't have time to say hello or can't remember that person's name or the guy with the red hair or something, I think, oh, you mean... Um, and once they've seen their film, they go, oh, that film... That one. And it can be anything. It can be anything. I mean, one of our, our... She didn't put it in for the short film festival, but she's put stuff in for the festival before. And she won an Oscar. Serena Armitage. She won an, Os- an Oscar this year for a short film, which is, you know, which is amazing, because she's someone who does... She came back and was edit producing on Come Dine and Fierce. I mean, you know, this is someone who's been to Hollywood and rubbed shoulders and she's in a big photograph with Leo DiCaprio and just like... And she's like yeah, I can't believe I'm here for a short film. So don't underestimate what you can do. Don't underestimate it at all, but learn it and you know, excel at your craft. Is short form sometimes a great way to kind of, you know, sort of leapfrog over a few steps if you're kind of managing your own thing and kind of outside of, I guess, kind of the, the industry system? Like, what's your experience been with that? Yeah, so, you know, I... The reason I went into short form, so, you know, I produce, I can direct, I pitch to commissioners, I can write, I can cast, and I thought, you know, I'm going to shake things up, I'm just going to go and work at a, a content agency for a whole year and see how that goes. Went really well, I've managed to get lots of things away as well. So, I think the level of storytelling is different when it comes to content, you know. It's tough, within the first three seconds, you've got to get them, you've got to get them hooked. If you can't get them in the three first seconds, that's it, they've tuned off, they don't want to watch it. So, it's a different layer of... Uh, storytelling I would say and um, different kind of casts work better I think for content as well than TV often that doesn't translate so if you take someone from content sometimes that doesn't translate to TV if you take someone from TV that doesn't translate into the content world as well and also I think it's a great place actually I would say for people starting out think about content as well it doesn't have to be you work in content all your life you can just chop and change there's no reason why you can't you know everything it's going to be beneficial just learn as much as you can and I'm going to ask all of you best piece of advice you've ever just been given as a gift by someone who's just said this is the bit of advice and then the best bit of advice you can give to everyone in the room that you've learned through bitter hard experience and a really heartbreaking way it's definitely heartbreaking but like what's the best piece you've been given and what's the best piece you've earned what scared me this morning was um, 
everyone has to get fired once in their life. I was like, no, but I've never been fired. <laughs> that was a scary bit of advice. <laughs> that was scary. When you said that, we both looked at each other like, it's not happened yet. And You're so young. And it, it, that could not happen to me. Yeah, it's like, it's like, could not happen to me. I'm, I'm too old. I've got too many children. <laughs> but, um, and and um, I would say, um, I would say, I think get a mentor. I think get a mentor is, is really... Um, one of my mentors actually pitched himself to me as like, oh, yeah, I need to mentor you because my wife said oh, to me the other day, why have I never had a mentor? And it made me think I should get a mentor, so I want to mentor you because <laughs> I think you're doing really good stuff, but you don't have a mentor and you should have one. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. And, but I think, I think, you know, having people that you can bounce off and, and really talk to that are much more experienced than you. Free wants to work, you get a mentor. As to say, and then you mentor. <laughs> and I mentor. And yeah, and us, I, so. I mentor for, for wants yeah. to watch as well. And uh, all free wants to watch. And my, it's really weird because my mentee is like the same age as me. And uh, we've both been in the TV industry for as long as each other. So we just sort of chill and talk to each other because I can't I can't no no but but I you know I sort of I sort of oh you should do this you should try that you should but there's only so much I can give at this stage of my career so I think get a mentor is is one of my core bits of advice and also be prepared to be sacked once in your life (laughs) this is new to me this is shocking to my system um yeah I think really early on I was told by someone really senior at the BBC as a woman that you should really push yourself and I think it's true because really early on I saw that there was probably times that I should have bigged myself up where I didn't where I, and I should have really and I see it now as well so I, I'm also a mentor for um, kind of young entrants within the industry and that, that's what I encourage them to do really is to believe in themselves and have faith and then that kind of you know pushes me as well and the other thing is, I think, be confident in your ideas. If you believe something's going to work, uh, maybe as a doc or a, a format, then, and then believe in it, I think. So I've worked on a few things that um, initially commissioners didn't believe in, but actually it got to funding stages, and, and some of the stuff got commissioned. So, you know, have faith in your own ideas, but also at the same time know when to drop it. So <laughs> if they're like, no, nope, no, it's not going to work, fair enough, it's not going to work, but maybe, you know, you can rethink about that idea and, and talk about it to your team and... Maybe revisit in a year's time or two years' time, and it could it look it could look quite different by then. So, yeah, just have faith in yourself, really. That's what I'd say. Um, well, I'm a mentor for someone in this room, um, but I mentor a lot of people. I mentor um, people I'm working with, people I'm not working with, and I also mentor above. So, people who are above me will come and use me as the person that they need to sound things out, try things out on. Um, which is, I've always had that, whether it's BBC or ITV. Um, but, um, and I think that's incredibly important, and I have a mentor as well, so it's really, really important to do that. Um, but my bit of advice, and Spike Lee, I don't know if you've ever heard of Spike Lee, director, he came to London, um, and he's very small, Spike Lee, okay? <laughs> and um, he came, and, and I was watching this big, well, it was at the Ten Rooms in Piccadilly, and it's, I don't think it exists anymore, but it was really nice, I don't think it exists anymore, does it? Oh. Um, it was a really nice, big, big event, and it was some diversity, it was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> yes, still here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talking about it. 
Um, and um, and he, was, he was meant to be coming, he was meant to be our speaker, so we were all really excited. And everyone was, yeah, 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 yeah. and I sat down on the sofa next to this guy. Sort of kind of like, yeah, you know, bloody blah. And he, and he turned around and he said, yeah, so. I thought, oh. I went, oh, hello. I think, do I say hello, Spike? Do I say hello, Mr. <laughs> Lee? I said, hi. <laughs> and he went, oh, so what are you doing here? And I told him. And he said, so why is everyone so angry? And I said, well, because, you know, diversity and da 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 and not getting work and blah, 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 and people aren't funding them. And he went, right. He stood up and he said, um, you want to get funded, get off your ass, go and get yourself a camera and shoot your own stuff and don't wait for anybody to give you anything. And I sat there like, because at that point, we were always waiting for a funding for this or a commission from this. So I think in a way, it like echoes what you're all saying is that get up and go make it yourself. Um, put it out there somewhere. There's so many different avenues you can put things on. And I think, you know, do this in tandem. You don't have to do one thing or one thing you can do everything together there's so many different avenues that you can put your stuff out if you write write scripts do readings do rehearsed readings i mean you know if you're if you're doing drama you don't have to actually make the drama because it's really expensive but if you can buy get someone to come and watch your rehearsed reading and they buy into your dream or your vision you might have a you might have a chance dramas take forever they take forever to make and we we swapped we swapped some cards. I was so I was so chuffed. And have a card. That's always good. Mind you, they don't do that now, do they? Oh, Spikey's mm. card. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh my cool. gosh. I met. What does it say? Like just spike. spike. <laughs> <laughs> it was forty acres and a mule. I think. Oh yeah. Cause yeah, that's his company. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had the direct line in. I was just like, <laughs> because we, you know, he was quite sort of like, what's going on? And I think the thing is, is that that was my pivotal bit of, you know, get up and do your own thing. And what was the other question? Um, just uh, some advice that you've learned, like, the hard way, just through your own experience rather than something that's been kind of told um, to you. The hard way. Mm. Um, I was... I, I had six dramas, six half-hour dramas in with Channel 4 um, and the multicultural department at the time, and they were six cracking urban tales and I was so proud of them and I was given development money and I had, all, I had everything ready to go. They, all they had to do was sign the dotted line and they gave it to somebody else and that was, that was the hardest thing, I think, and to pick yourself up from something like that when you feel like, but it's so good. And you see the stuff that goes out from wherever and I'm not going to say what the other company was, but they are now big. Um, and just kind of thinking to yourself... Just, if I just had that opportunity so it's very very difficult sometimes when you're so disappointed to get back up, dust yourself off and go but you do and I, and I did because I was passionate and I loved it and I love the industry that I'm in and hence why I want to be there to sort of enable things to happen for people who are working because it's kind of easier for me to do the enabling and for you to do the work that's very good actually one thing I realised that we haven't covered but I'm not sure if it's quite right for this room so just a quick show of hands how many of you are kind of active sort of freelancers at the moment sometimes that can be sort of tricky sort of navigating that queuing up kind of like the next role things that you need to know in terms of negotiating contracts I know we talked a little bit about sort of pay and things earlier but are there any just sort of like sort of quick tips about how to, to make it in the freelance game I think um, you need to prove yourself. People always book the same people, and um, they tend to, because it's easier. And I do sometimes, I realise. I go through people I know. If they can't do it, they pass me, pass me on to people that they know. So always 
be visible and always, you know, if you've got, if you meet talent managers, email them like every so often I'm doing this so that you're actually at the forefront of their thoughts. Because um, even if you're not available to work, don't just think about that person when you need a job tomorrow. Constantly email people, stay in touch, you know, and I think that's really important. I think also, like, in my case, like, with the big dramas, be prepared to take a step down. Because if you've been producing, like, you've been a big fish in, in a small pond, like, you need, if you, if you want to take that next step up to, to bigger productions, you need to be prepared to, you know, if you're on AP, maybe be a researcher for a little bit on something a lot bigger than what you're used to. But just be visible, I think. That's the most important thing. Email people, update them on your work. They might not get back, but that doesn't mean that, you know, when they're looking for you or someone like you, they won't think of you. If your contract's coming to an end in, like, a couple of months, then speak to your HR manager, speak to your head of talent, um, work out if there's any other productions you can get involved there. Also, line up other kind of um, jobs, if you can, in the sense that, you know, reach out to other talent managers and other companies and say, look, my contract might be coming up in May, is anything happening? Or So that they remember you, actually, and that you can, in a few weeks' time, when, when, the, when the time gets a bit closer, that you can just um, say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to an end pretty soon. And in terms of uh, freelancing, I would say, is, uh, when it comes to money, it's a huge issue, obviously. Always save a bit, I think, because, um, you know, you never know. You might be out of work for a month or two months, so you're going to need something to tie over. You should always have a kind of emergency uh, pot of money, I reckon. Yeah, stay at home. Live at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm joking. My daughters did the same. Stayed home forever. Like, get out. Um, I think you need to with money you need to be realistic um and need to know what your what the boundaries are find out you know find out in your teams who's getting paid what you'll talk find out just um if i sell if i tell you 650 and i say that's the top end of this particular budget on this particular production that's what it is if you go to your next job and you say i'm 670 they're not going to make a fuss if you go and say i'm 750 they're going to not get well get give it to somebody else so don't price yourself out I think it's right, Fatima says, save your money, save your money, be to, don't be going out on the res every night, save your money, go to everything that's cheap and free. Cheap and free is very important. <laughs> we were brought up on cheap and free, weren't we? Yes, <laughs> cheap and free is very, very important. So, you know, go to all the things that you can do that you don't have to pay for. Being a freelancer, you're kind of already, you're a one-person business in a sense. Like. Yeah, I think the thing is, like I said right at the beginning, this is a freelance industry now. You're very rarely going to get a staff job very, very rarely. Um, but, as Femi says, you will get hired and rehired if they like you. Um, what I like is when people say, hi, Michelle, I'm going to be available August the 7th. I've done this, this, this. I've increased my skills, this, this, this. And so I have it August the 7th. Okay, she's good for something. And I'll put star next to your name. And, and then when I need to go, oh, and I'll pull up all my stars and it will come up with dates and things that are sort of a little bit in advance... Facebook, um, people who know people who work in TV, talent manager, make sure you're on talent manager. I know you have to have a certain amount of credits to be on it, but try and get on talent manager. But Facebook, people who know people, always used, always used. Literally, I can get someone going, huh, we've got things just being staffed up, we need, to, we need to start production on Monday, and it's Friday afternoon. That will save my life, because I'll go in and someone will be able to start on Monday. I've even done Sunday nights calling people. So don't be offended if you get called on the, at the weekend or after hours. 
you know, take it in good spirit because this is the industry that we're in and the, everyone is under pressure. So it's not just you. You're incredibly important because you're the lifeblood. You're the next lot of people who are going to come in and sit up here and talk to people who are at the levels that you're at. So don't underestimate your, your, your power within the industry. But at the same time, you know, we, we all need to eat. So if you've got another job, a little thing on the side, something you can do when you're not working... It's, 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 I mean, it's a bit like an acting in the sense, isn't it? You don't always get the jobs. Absolutely. I think freelancing, for me, people always ask me, oh, so how do you run your own company? Like, how do you get by? How do you do this? Like, I've, I've been, like, not had a consistent job for my whole life. I'm 29. Like, you know, I've, I've never, I always say to people, I've never had a real job because it's, it's, I've never really been in a contract that's, meant I'm working for someone forever and ever like for longer than a few months or whatever so I'm kind of used to that lifestyle one thing I would say stay on top of your paperwork um, as well as a freelancer and you know there's certain things that you can claim back if you can get a good accountant because they can help you pay up next to no tax and um, and no because it's not like it's not like it's not like you're making so much money. Although for, for a lot of them, they would be PAYE because if you're runners, researchers, yeah, APs, and you're in television anyway, yeah, you're PAYE. No, um, as soon as you can become when you're a producer, DV director, kind of on the things, you can become a shed D and you do your own. And yes, you save loads of money. It's very very true. But I wouldn't say that because you would pay your tax no, accordingly. I didn't say not pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same for void. No, you just like, no, but there's ways to be smart and ways you can save money that, yeah, yeah, might because, not yeah because, you know, like, like, you know, you're starting out and, and, you know, money is very important. And do stay at home if you can. I say to people all the time, there's like, there's no point moving out with your mates and, contributing like 500 pound and a grand being committed to that when your mum's got a, a room down the road and and she'll feed you water you like hug you when you cry and you know it's 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 a good deal so stay at home if you can yeah that's a good tip but also i think the problem with that and also you sort of saying like to hire anything you know as well all those things which are not being like malicious things kind of don't help with i think with the diversity issues you know so that's great if you live in london or you live near london but you know if you want to stay at your mom's and you live somewhere else like you know kind of what do you do it's it, it, can, it can be challenging find a sofa yeah it's very tough but this is the industry you're in and that's why you know it's like anything if you really love it the rewards are great it's the greatest job to be doing it's great to say you work in television when you're talking to your friends and just your life you just think yeah I'm, I'm in TV and, and yeah it's good it's good I'm not going to underestimate it it's good I wouldn't have stayed in it for so long if it wasn't um, but um, I think that real, real, to be realistic and to make sure that you achieve what you need to achieve you need to have a solid home base you need to have somewhere where you know that you can afford to live and um, if it means sharing with you know top to ten or with your mates or whatever I don't know but you just need to ensure that your base covers you're not worrying about that because what happens when you start worrying overduly about money and this is for anything everything else goes out of the window because you're taking the next job the next job just because you need to be paid and sometimes as we've said again at the beginning, you need to sort of reevaluate where you are and to be able to choose the sorts of things that you want to do. Hi, uh, my name is Jennifer, and again, thank you so much for giving us this talk. 
Um, what I wanted to ask was I've been incredibly blessed and lucky to have a staff contract with a production company um, and they've invested quite a lot into me and I'm very thankful for it but I want to move from production into more editorial. At the moment there isn't necessarily room for me to do that there. How would you advise to make that leap? I mean would, would it be best to go to a different company? Like, What is the best way to navigate something like that? Um, you stay with your company that you're with if you've got a staff contract and not give it up. If you want to go from production, so you're a production secretary? Uh, yeah. Yes, secretary. production secretary, yes. Um, so you all understand the whole kind of production route and the editorial route. Um, and we get a lot of people coming at entry level who are runners and then they decide which ways. Production, production always has more roles and more secure roles. So production secretary, cold, production manager. Um, and those seem to, seem to be the places where people have a more stable, they might have a year's contract or they might have six months and it's, you know, it's bound, if they do well, they'll just carry on. Whereas I think editorially you could be, you'd have to know, and I'm sure people in here, um, that if you go to be a runner or a junior researcher, one, you're going to have to impress somebody that you can do that in the area that they're in. And two, you've got to understand that you might just be working for four weeks, six weeks, two months, and then you've got to look, look for work and I think, as Thomas has said, it's not easy. So you have to make that choice yourself. And, it, and again, it comes from the passion. Do you really want to do it? What is it that you're really looking to do? And be really honest with yourself. And go and talk to people. So talk to people at the same company, first of all. Um, if you don't get any headway, then talk to people at other companies um, about what, what it is you want to do. Casting is a good skill to have if you're... Um, in production and you want to come over into editorial, if you can bash the phones, go out and street cast, those sorts of things, that's how you get into something like as big as Come Dine because they're always looking because the churn is big. So casting is a really good thing. So if you've got casting experience where you can show that you can pick up the phone and talk to people and get them to come on the show and do all sorts of silly things, then you, you know that's a, a good thing to have. So... So I think you just really have to wait up, stay within your company first and find out what, what they suggest. Hi, thank you very much for all your, your advice. Um, so I have gone from newsroom to creating my own films for, uh, online because I just got fed up of waiting around for jobs, to freelancing, uh, to presenting two of my own live shows for TV, Worked my way up in that company, became assistant producer, became assistant to the head of pro uh, programming and production, and I just can't get a job now. Um, so I think I need advice on my cover letter. <laughs> it's true because I'm getting rejections and I, I don't quite know why. Do you know what it is? It's probably they're looking at your CV and they're thinking, it's confused, what is she? That's, that's what, or what the, honest, yeah, yeah. the honest thing so would I be. I have started tailoring my CVs. And I and every and I'm applying for jobs where I know I've got all of the skills and experience, but I, I feel like it must be must be my cover letter rather than my CV. I'm not I'm not sure. I rarely read the cover letters. Um, I'm honest. Emails. Yeah. yeah I mean, the email. They mean like almost like the top like paragraph yeah, of the CV is but I don't kind of go. You know when they kind of go for pages. Okay, let me have a look I at the CV. Situations that email becomes like the yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So it's an email. You, what you could, I suppose, what you could do is say, look, I've got these skills. I'm not getting, I'm not getting seen, and I need to know. Am I? You might need to talk to a talent manager in an area or a company that you would want to work in, possibly. 
um, you've got to identify what the area is that you want to work in, um, the genre, that is. Um, but it's really hard because we're all sitting here saying, do this, do this, do this. It might be good talking to Femi because he's kind of done lots of different things to get to where you are. And I mean, I don't know what advice you'd give. I think, um, like, you, like Taylor, your CV, I don't really tell people I'm an actor. I don't tell people on my CV, it doesn't say that I write. It doesn't say that I do any of these things. It just says that I direct and I produce. And, um, and you know, the skills might come up in the, you know, in the bits, in the bullet points on the, on the CV, but I, I don't, because you can't confuse the message. People can only take in, I'm looking for a producer right now. I don't want to know whether you write or not. I don't really care about your writing. Or, you know, you just, you don't confuse the message. And I think you should also, um, you should ask people for informal chats. Just email people. Don't just apply to jobs at companies when they come up. Just email people. And I have this rule, just email as many people as possible. I recently changed acting agents. And um, I sort of emailed 10 agents and two people got back to me. And one of them got back to me straight away and within minutes. And that person's my agent now. But then it took, there are about, another three sent me like a generic reply, we're not looking for people, go away. Um, (laughs) It was like they've got a system in place that says, no, we don't want people right now. But then five others just didn't get back to me. But email as many people as possible for that informal chat because not everyone's going to get back to you because people are busy I'm, I'm, I've re- recently I've been not getting back to people's emails and I feel so bad because mm. when people do it to me I just I feel like come on this is like because it's the most important thing in the world to you but they've got you have, what you have to remember when you get in contact with people is that they've got they've, they actually have a job that they're doing they're not waiting if you don't email them, it doesn't change their workload. <laughs> and so they're not sitting there waiting for this person to email them and, and like, you know, they reply. So give people time, but also like have informal chats with these people. And sometimes people in that meeting, they realise actually you've got all these skills that they need. Or other times they might know someone that you'd be better yeah. off speaking to. And so I think that's, that, that would be my tip. Do you know what you tip. want to do? Yeah, never mention that when yeah. you're going to tell yeah, it. Okay. I've learned not to mention yeah. that. Okay. Um, is working in factual TV, so on documentaries. Um, okay, so, so what you need to do, that bit, is say, I want to work on Tonight, or I want to work on Paula Grady for the Love of Dogs, or I want to work on Fears. You need to actually say, even if it's never going to come back, this is the sort of thing. So it starts to, when I'm sitting talking to you as a talent exec, I start to put you in a, oh, okay, so she wants to do this. And that's where I can then say, I can talk to this person or that person. But if you come, you know, want to work in documentaries and factual TV, it's like, so does everybody. And that's yeah. probably, it's, it's probably just looking back and, yeah, come and, come and see me. And don't say, don't say that you like presenting. I never say I like acting. I just say, I never even talk about acting. I just say, I used to be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you played that down for us, because like, we wouldn't have had an actor. Yeah, exactly. But no, but that's, but that's, but you're right, I, I you've got never right. ever say, yeah. I never ever say, I never mention that I've got a new agent. I never mention any, and to my acting agent, I, she doesn't know, she, or she knows I sort of run a company, but she doesn't really know what I do but it, n- don't confuse the message it's too much for people yeah. 
they don't want to, if I'm if I'm a talent manager and I'm looking for research or AP, I don't want to know that you like presenting. That's your business. That's nothing to do with me because right now I'm looking for an AP. I'm not looking for a presenter. So don't confuse the message. Hi, uh, thank you very much for the talk. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm coming from like a different area. I'm a DOP and I worked my way up through the camera department and I stopped camera assisting about two and a half years ago because the feature I shot uh, was getting released on Netflix in America and I've started working docudramas. Um, but I also shoot like promos and commercials and I've had a couple of meetings with agents and a lot of them want me to be more specific, like just do one thing. But I don't like doing one thing. I like shooting... There's all aspects of like why I like shooting promos or why I like shooting commercials. I mean, I love drama and that's where I want to be. But what do you... Again, what do you guys think about like pigeonholing in terms of technical crew? I say, for that agent, tell them you do one thing. Mm. Okay. For your other interests, do it in your own spare time. I don't, they don't care. Like, I think you have to understand how people... If they specialise in in getting people onto dramas, tell them that's what you want to do. If you want to shoot promos and stuff, do it in your own time. Do it when you're not working. I do not, do not. Help people help. Or get help. another agent. Yeah, help people okay, help you. Agents. Help people help you. Make it easy for people to help you. If the agent is saying they would like you to specialise, decide what area you want to specialise in. And you, if, you, if that doesn't satisfy you, look for a new agent that... that I have lots of interests, but I know the sort of stuff that I want to be doing. And I know when I'm going into a meeting, if I've got a meeting with Kudos or Red Planet, they, and they want to talk to me about productions, I'm not going to sit there, oh, actually, I've got these scripts and blah, blah, blah. I do that through Purple Gecko. I do that through my company. I'm not going into Kudos and those people trying to pitch them my, my script ideas or all of these, because that's not what I'm there for. So... Just the, the key point, I suppose, to both of you is don't confuse the message and find people that, if you find people that can help you in a certain area and you know it's going to take you to a next level, don't try to question that. Accept their, because they, they've got the power, accept what they're saying to you. And have a number of different CVs. When I first started out, I had three different CVs. Um, one for one thing, one for more sort of, you know, aimed at that sort of, because um, I've been a development exec in commissioning, so one more that sort of way, one more sort of drama way, one more factual way, because people you, they, they, people just I, I and I'm, I am completely guilty of it, I am looking for something, my time is, I have to staff this up tomorrow, and I need to look at something and go, okay so dear pin, he's done, yeah great now I don't do craft, but you know, if if I were, that's exactly what I'd be doing. If you say, "Well, I'm, you know, yeah, I've got somebody else who can," and that's what you that's what you need. So I think it's kind of similarish things, but it's hard because when you're when you're wanting to put everything on there and to make it look like, "Look, I'm amazing. I can do all these things." You have to sort of somehow streamline them and target them for who you're trying to impress. And if they say, if your agent, that agent particularly says, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, and say, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Right, the other one, just give them that one. You know, just play it. Play the, play the game. You'll get where you want to because you're good. I'm probably quite unusual in that I'm having a very early midlife crisis. Um, I can't. <laughs> I'm thinking of switching careers. I'm a food and drink journalist and copywriter. I work in-house PR companies. I've increasingly become more and more passionate about television and bringing my skills to it. 
I'm finding it really hard to get my foot in anywhere. Um, I, ha- I was lucky enough to have an interview with a de- um, production company in Soho for to be a development intern. That went really well. I was shortlisted but wasn't picked. But that's basically as far as I've gotten. I think I want to work in development, um, production, really passionate about travel, lifestyle, factual documentary, um, and I just any advice for anyone of my age coming to to it quite late. I've got something quite specific, but unfortunately, it's for next year. Um, But the scheme we run, the network, actually a big part of it is actually helping um, second careerers move over. So people who are kind of amazing and kind of great at what they do, but they're like, you know what, I always wanted to work in TV and I I don't know why I didn't do it when I was 20. And there will be people on the scheme who are at that age, but also we've had people who were like, someone who was a teacher for 15 years, guy was a plumber for 10 years, and they're brilliant because they bring something really, really different. And what the network kind of does for those people is it's kind of like a crash course, shows you the landscape, how it works, makes kind of really great connections for you. Unfortunately, we've just closed applications for this year, but we run it every single year. We've been running it for 25 years in one shape or form. So um, check us out, Network TV. It's completely free, and you're the kind of person that we would look for. But, yeah, it'd be good to hear what you think of people also um, switching. Lanes. Two things. ITV Insight, the Insight Pool. They, you join, you join. I think they open four times a year. You join, you do two weeks free work experience. I won't let it go any longer than that unless you're at uni. Um, so two weeks work experience you work on something like Humdine and which plays into your food knowledge etc and, um, and if they like you they'll keep you on okay so that's number one um, I was a teacher and I joined the BBC at the same age that this young man is now see all the things he's done up until now and I was teaching get in there um, and um, yeah because I was a scary te- I was a scary teacher um, I was so scary um, the BBC was like a breeze when I walked and I thought and my, my salary just tripled. It was like, whoa, that's fantastic. Good old days, good old days. Um, but um, but it, you can, you can make that transition from going from one thing. And I was always passionate, always kept my hand in doing different things in order to make that crossover. And back in the day, before the internet, shit, I'm so, I'm so old. Before the internet, because there was no internet, there was intranet, but there was no internet. Um, it was a Guardian. Mo- Monday's Guardian had all the media jobs in, and you scoured the media jobs, and that's what you did every Monday. And I did that whilst I was teaching my class. I'd get my Monday Guardian, and there were lots of pages, there were loads of jobs, but you just scoured, and I got loads and loads of rejections, but I didn't care. I just kept on and kept on and kept on until I got one. So all I'm saying is, is that you can make that change, but you have to be now quite strategic. So look at the programmes that are... Food focused. Can you speak Italian? Speak. I can speak Japanese, but not Italian. I'm looking for an Italian AP. <laughs> Italian speaking fluent, please. Fluent. There we go. There. AP. Delighted to be coming. Anyway, <laughs> um, so you know, uh, Gina. It's for Gina. Gina's yeah, going around Sicily and Sardinia. Okay. We can talk. Um, so, yeah, going back, just find the programmes that might link into the sorts of experience that you have because you bring something else. And the fact that you've got journalism, I think journalism is really key to have as part of your education or your degree or whatever. Journalism is really important because it makes people think, 
well, but she's a food journal and she's done this and she's done that. And it sort of just takes you out of, oh, I'm desperate for a job in TV. So just have to target. And I think people who come from different backgrounds have different experience beforehand work really well in development as well. Because um, they've got a unique twist to things um, and they can kind of, you know, if it's food, then start talking to food production companies, production companies that specialise in food and see if you can get in as, I don't know, junior researcher. Just, you know, email them for an informal chat, just meet for a cup of tea and see how that goes. Because um, my CV's kind of crazy because mm. I've been a flight attendant and also a teacher mm. in Japan right. so as well. Out. Out. So you have three. Your food one is one if you're going to go to production. Your flight attendant, unless it's something about flights, I'll keep as a separate one. Just just thin it out and make it make it work to what you're going for, I think. Because otherwise it just becomes confusing. And I always say you can put other interests and you can put all the other things you've done under other interests. But when you're looking at anything in production that you're going for, keep it quite focused. Um, so I would like to thank our panellists and We've got Femi, Fatima, and Michelle for giving them a big round of applause. Thanks for listening to this BAFTA event produced for Guru Live, a weekend of live events for creatives in film, TV, and games. If you love making or just watching TV, then you should try our original web series, Encounters. It's where new writers meet their heroes of film and TV screenwriting. Watch it now at bafta.org forward slash guru.